Welcome to DLC Live, your source for educational and inspirational interviews with mental health experts and advocates from around the world. Now, here's your host, creator of the DLC Anxiety Worldwide Mental Health Community, Dean Stott. Hi, Gio. Hi, nice to see you. Nice to see you too. Are you okay, yeah? Good, yeah. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Feeling good. Um, it's raining here, um, but trying to make the best out of the situation, so feeling good, yeah? Yeah, whereabouts are you? North Wales. Okay, yeah. It's been raining here too. I'm, I'm in like a proper cuddly winter number. <laughs> oh, I like it. I like it. It's kind of cold, isn't it? It's definitely, not, yeah. it's definitely not June weather. <laughs> yeah, um, so I'd just um, like to thank you for coming on the live show. No um, really appreciate it. Really appreciate everything that you do um, across social media and obviously everything that you do uh, in as a um, psychologist um, for the mental health community. Um, and likewise, likewise. You guys are doing well. Yeah, I appreciate that. And um, yeah, if... People aren't or it's, as, as aware as, um, of yourself um, as I am, say, people in America, for example. If you can just give a, a, a brief explanation of um, what you do, um, why you got into psychology, and just the impact that you've been having on social media as well. Sure. So, um, gosh, going by, right back, um, I got into psychology just because it fascinated me, actually. I, yeah. I did the sort of A-level psychology and then just followed my interests all the way along and ended up um, spending a few too many years at university and uh, ended up as a clinical psychologist. I worked in the NHS for, I don't know how many years it was, uh, a number of years, um, working in all different sort of um, hospitals and crisis teams and community teams, all different kind of departments. And, um, and once I had children, I started working privately. Right. Um, but I noticed quite quickly that a lot of the people that were coming along to therapy perhaps didn't need long-term therapy. They needed some really good education about what anxiety was, what was going yeah. on for them, and that there were some really simple skills they could learn to help them manage. And I found that once people sort of knew some of that stuff, they were ready to go, you know, they were sort of, you know, raring to, to get on with things. So um, over time, I became sort of more and more passionate about everyone needs to know this stuff, you know, yeah. this, this shouldn't be hidden in the therapy room. So, um, and that's when I started putting a few bits on um, social media, Instagram and, and TikTok and stuff like that. And, um, and yeah, fast forward six months and here we are. So which social media platform did you start off on first? Uh, I started putting a couple of things on Instagram last summer, I think it was. I was on holiday thinking, yeah, let's do this and put a few kind of images and stuff on, on, it, on Instagram. And, and then in October, November time, discovered TikTok, put yeah. a few videos on there and um, it just sort of blew up on there. And, and um, uh, yeah, so doing kind of the two now. Oh, brilliant. So I don't know, I, I guess it's a full time job just doing the social media now, especially with TikTok. I think you have to post um, maybe one, two, three posts a day, is it, maybe? Uh, yeah, it's, it's hard because, you know, I've, I've got children and stuff like that. So um, and, you know, seeing clients and things. So um, I do what I can. But um, yeah, it's I, I'm sort of I put maybe I put at least one video a day on TikTok um, oh, and, and try to pull at least one 
put one on to Instagram as well. And um, anything I can do above and beyond that, then I, I consider that a victory. <laughs> and with the TikToks, where, where do you get the ideas from? Is that from maybe a therapy session or is it from psycho uh, psychology studies? Or just, uh, do you try and incorporate everything into it? Yeah, so um, a, a mix really of uh, lots of things from therapy. So things that I think, oh, that's been a real moment where um, that one piece of information gave someone that kind of light bulb moment where they thought, yes, you know, so I like to share those things that have been helpful for people in therapy. Um, like a lot of kind of different metaphors and different concepts, ways of understanding things that are feel complex, but making them kind of a bit simpler. Um, and, you know, obviously TikTok has the 60 second limit on the videos. Mm -hmm. So I have to strip down any kind of jargon out of it and just give it the kind of bare bones of that idea. Um, and actually, while that started as a challenge, actually, it's been pretty, um, uh, pretty good kind of learning process, because it does make you think what is the key message in this whole thing? Uh, and just give that idea. So uh, yeah, yeah, and I think that's why it's had such an impact, like you said. It's like a 60-second blast of, for example, someone who doesn't know what anxiety is, um, but they may have been feeling um, symptoms of anxiety. I think your videos really do hit home, and they can be very personal to the person that's watching it. So I think that's a credit uh, to what you do. And if we just want to talk about the TikTok, so it's 845,000 followers, if I'm right. Is that correct? At the moment, yeah. And I think 8.5 million likes. So when that's read back to you, does it seem surreal? Or is it like you're just enjoying the roller coaster at the moment? You know what? I feel like it's not really real. You know, kind of it's, a, it's a number on a screen, isn't it? So, I mean, yeah. lots of videos, to be, to be completely honest with you, a lot of the videos I can't even watch back. <laughs> I just, just get it on there and think about trying to be valuable. Because otherwise, yeah, if you start to think about each of those numbers as a person, who might be watching or scrutinizing or not enjoying the video then that could really trigger anxiety in itself so i just try yeah. to focus on is this a valuable point or vaguely entertaining okay get it on and see what happens um and then try not to watch them back too much yeah and i i think i understand why actors and actresses say they never watch the films back now it does make sense yeah. doesn't it yeah absolutely um, yeah yeah, um, so obviously I put out um, to my uh, platform that you were coming on today and they had some questions that they'd like to ask you. Um, so just making sure you're okay to answer a few questions, if that's all right. Yeah, sure. Yeah, brilliant. So the first question, um, really good question. Uh, they're asking, what is CBT and what is the science behind it working for uh, specifically anxiety disorders? Okay, so... Um, CBT is, a, is just one, one type of psychological therapy um, and it's an umbrella term actually so it's a, it's a term that um, a, a few different therapies sit into but it's uh, cognitive behaviour therapy so cognitive is a posh word for thoughts mm -hmm. and behaviour side is the actions, the things you do and don't do um, and, and it's based on, on the model that how we feel is influenced by the thoughts that we spend time with how much we buy into those thoughts and what we do or don't do and the state of our bodies as well. Um, so you might see uh, around sort of Instagram and things like that. Some people uh, draw out the, well, I call it the hot cross bun. It's like a kind of cross with, and it's got thoughts, emotions, physical state and behavior in each box. And that's really the model that shows these things all influence each other. And so, you know, if I'm thinking, 
uh, self-critical thoughts, for example, then I might feel low in mood and then I'm going to feel low in energy and then I'm going to might, you know, not go out and see my friends. So it shows you how everything links up and, and keeps you feeling stuck, but it also shows us the way out because if the way that we feel is influenced by our thoughts and our behavior and our physical body, then we can influence those last three. Um, and when we do begin to make small changes, the way that we feel begins to change as well. So it's based around that sort of idea. Um, and, and so, I mean, with, with anxiety specifically, and there's, there's lots of research, CBT really lends itself to research. So um, there's loads of research that's been done on it. And, and that's why it's sort of in the NICE guidelines as one of the recommended treatments for anxiety disorders, um, alongside things like medication and stuff like that. Um, and you know, it is hugely effective. I use, you know, bits from CBT all the time working with people because it just, it does help. And, uh, there are some really simple skills that come from it that once you've got those skills, you've got them for life and, uh, no one can take that from you, you know, as long as you put them into your life and practice them, it's really empowering. So yeah, it's really effective. Um, and if it's not, if someone tries it and it's not effective the first time, doesn't mean it won't be effective the second time or with a different therapist maybe. So uh, sometimes it can be about timing. Um, so yeah, and does that answer your question? No, it does. I think that's a very thorough answer. Um, and also, do you know when you're talking about the the cycle, so you, the the thought, the emotion, and the physical symptoms, is it right that it it can occur at different? So you could have a physical symptom that then would trigger the thought. Yeah, absolutely. So some typically be the thought first, and then feeling the emotion, then having the physical symptoms. Is that yeah. right? well yeah it kind of it feels like it all happens at once doesn't it because it all kind of happens very quickly it feels like one experience um but absolutely some people might um for example be uh drinking too much caffeine and uh, which gives them palpitations and that so that sort of that heart pounding feeling comes first um yeah. and then triggers a thought about oh, i'm gonna have a panic attack or something like that which then causes more um anxiety um, so yeah, it could be a physical symptom first, um, caused by a whole number of potential things. Um, uh, or it could be a thought process um, that comes first, um, or an action as well. You know, it could be that you're, I don't know, on a sort of, you know, um, high balcony and you're afraid of heights or whatever it is. You know, it could be something you're doing that triggers that as well. Yeah, so, um, so like you mentioned, heights and um phobias like that so it does work well uh, if i'm right in saying for uh, specific phobias it can, yeah. it can really strip down the phobia and help people overcome it is that correct absolutely and, and i think people maybe don't realize widely how effective it is for phobias mm -hmm. um it really doesn't take a huge amount of time um to treat phobias um with with cbt um if someone is really ready to tackle it and it's really important to them to tackle it, because it's not easy, it's, it's not a, you know, it's not an easy process, but um, uh, it's really effective. If, if someone has a phobia that's really sort of ruining their life and they really want to tackle it, then I would absolutely recommend, you know, finding a CBT therapist or a psychologist. That's brilliant. Um, yeah, so the second question um, is, through all of your research, uh, what's the best way, so it kind of ties in with the first question, uh, what would you advise is the best way to approach anxiety disorders and um, um, is medication or therapy 
which one works best uh, for recovery or is it a combination of both or does it all depend on a specific uh, person? Yeah, I, I, absolutely the last one. It depends on the individual. So, um, you know, I, I don't prescribe medications. I do talking therapies only. Um, yeah. But having said that, I'm not against medication. I'm against medication being the only option for people because um, I can see medication being really helpful for, for people who perhaps have really acute anxiety to the point where they can't function or can't engage in therapy. Um, so it can sometimes help to, to bring that down to a level where people are then able to engage in learning the skills and doing the things that are going to help them in the long term. Yeah. Um, and, and that can be really helpful too. So, some people find that there's a, a numbing effect, depending on what medication and what their symptoms are. Some people find it less helpful because they feel that all the emotions they're trying to work with are numbed out too much. Um, and then yeah. it makes therapy more difficult, but not everybody has that experience. So um, it's really something people need to discuss with their, a combination of their therapist and their doctor to think yeah. about what their goals are, where they're at, what their experience of the medication is and, um, and all of those sorts of things. So um, I think medication can be a useful short-term measure and um, the, the skills that you get from something like CBT or, or another therapy, you've got those for life. So that can help you to kind of, you know, prevent relapse and things like that over time. Um, so when, so you, go on. when you say um, short term, how short would that be? Would that be like a six month period or absolutely, a few months? Absolutely depends on the condition, depends on the, the medication um, and what the recommendations are for that medication and things like that. Um, so yeah, I think everybody's really different. Yeah, so I think, I think in summary from your advice there, uh, um, you particularly think that um, medication can be good to bring you um, more in the moment of actually getting um, getting down with the talk, uh, with the CBT and the talking therapy. It can actually put you in, in a better mindset um, in the short term to then, like you say, learn the skills um, for for the longer term. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. That's brilliant. So the third question um, is a really good question. It's how can I support a loved one who may have an anxiety disorder? So yeah. I do get asked that quite a lot as well on the on the platform. And I, I think it's, it's a really, really good question. Yeah, I think so too. And, and I guess my first thought is um, maybe kind of not what people would expect, but um, it's, it's first of all, looking after yourself. It's a bit like, you know, when you're on an airplane and they say, put your own mask on first and stuff like that. That if you are supporting someone who is really struggling with anxiety or any other mental health problem, it's, it's a big deal. Like it's, it's a hard job to do. And so that person has to look after themselves as well. Um, I think for a lot of people who are looking after loved ones or trying to support them, they can maybe set, the, set themselves this expectation that they have to be able to fix it all for them. Um, mm -hmm. And they have to get everything right all the time. And, um, and that can then put that person on a downward spiral. And actually, your loved one is going to need you on top form. So, um, you know, looking after yourself and your own mental health is, is really important um, as, a, as a starting point. Um, I think you can, you can go it going with that, that sense of you don't need to fix them or you don't need to fix their problems. What that person, what most people need is, is support, isn't it? So um, someone who can listen, you know, really listen 
and empathize and validate what they're going through. And that means kind of not jumping in with advice necessarily that that person isn't ready to hear or not jumping in with um, any expectations about their, how they should be feeling or what they should be doing. Um, just really helping that person to see that you're, um, you're stood by them. You're not judging them. You're not expecting them to do anything different, but you're there wanting the absolute best for them and you're able to help them in any way that, that, they need so that might be helping them to find professional support you know that might be helping them to find therapy when they're ready um or it might help be helping them to you know get to a doctor's appointment if um they're anxious about doing it but know that they want to um so so yeah it's a kind of combination of those things really um being really consistent um with that support um which again needs a good deal of self-care i think um yeah. otherwise you end up burning out because you're trying to be everything to everyone and then you suffer yourself so um yeah i just can't emphasize that enough really that the support for carers and, and people who are trying to support family members um and i think there's a lot of worry about saying the wrong thing mm. um which then makes people avoid having conversations about the feelings and stuff and i think as long as you're trying to just hold back on judgment and and just kind of you know zip and just listen you don't yeah. have to say anything in return sometimes you just have to hold someone's hand or sit by them or and just kind of show that you're there um sometimes that can be enough um yeah i was just gonna say when i had a panic disorder so we're, we're going back about 10 years now i remember um even when i was walking um say in the park or something with a friend just just actually telling them that i was feeling anxious would reduce the anxiety level so like you said i think it just being there and being that support for them is sometimes all all, the, all you need absolutely some people just need a really good kind of listening to don't they and and, and actually it's interesting you say that because that, that's um a, a key part of a certain therapy actually this idea that if you can label the emotions that you're experiencing that in itself kind of takes the power out of it a little bit and makes it less overwhelming so um yeah being able to to just talk and verbalize how you're feeling and try and put a name to it um it is a really helpful exercise even though people might be sat there thinking i'm not helping i'm not fixing this actually by allowing that person a safe supportive environment to talk openly um you are helping so um it's sort of allowing yourself to be enough no that's that's yeah. a really good point and it, it almost like um just specifically for myself it was almost like I was getting the thought, the irrational thoughts from my mind out to someone else so it, it wasn't consumed in a downward sp uh, spiral within my own head. So that's um, obviously where I guess thought diaries, for example, uh, come, come in handy, uh, yeah. where people can actually write down the thoughts and then um, choose how they react to the thought or choose to replace or reject the thought if it's an irrational um, thought. Because obviously thoughts, we know we're not facts. And... Um, yeah, if there's an irrational thought there, we need to choose how we're going to react to that. Absolutely. If you can kind of just break that sequence by either talking or writing it down or whatever it is, um, it's a, you know, it's a really useful exercise to get well practiced at. Um, because it, it, it's something that affects everybody at some point. Um, whether whether there's a diagnosable anxiety disorder or not you know there are times when we feel overwhelmed with stress and anxiety 
because of mm -hmm. life events. And, and so it's a really good um, life skill, I think. That's brilliant. Um, and I think that's a really detailed um, answer to the question. So thank you very much for that. Um, just moving on to the next question. Um, do you have any techniques that work for I, if I end up in a large group of people and I start to get anxious, especially with lockdown and quarantine starting to ease, but obviously the virus still there in the environment? Yeah, I think this is going to be um, a really big one for a lot of people, isn't it? That um, we're beginning to associate staying at home with safety and being out around other people as being dangerous in some way. And um, and yet we're going to have to do those things. So um, I, I think... What, the first thing is probably to follow the guidelines, isn't it? The, the guidelines yeah. are there for safety and they are considered enough. So it's almost being informed on the guidelines of what you're supposed to be doing and then sticking to those. And from there, allowing that to be your line in the sand where, okay, well, now I focus on the thing that, you know, my own life. So why am I out? Maybe I'm going to the supermarket. Okay, so now I need to focus on, as long as I follow the guidelines, now I focus on, following my shopping list for example it's all i think it's all about focus of attention because when you're out if you start to really go with thoughts of you know things like contamination and, and stuff like that that's going to really ramp up the anxiety whereas if you have something in the here and now to focus on um doesn't mean that those thoughts aren't going to pop in we can't stop those from arriving and it's understandable um i noticed that already when you and i'm going to the supermarket and i'm picking things up i'm thinking has somebody else touched this or you know those thoughts are normal I think in this sort of um world that we're in at the moment um but it's being able to then each time you have one of those worry thoughts refocus on something in the here and now. So, what is it I need to do next and I love the the idea of always asking yourself what is the next right move and never thinking further than that really yeah. you know, what is the next right move okay I'll go and find the vegetables or I'll go and, you know and it's just kind of keeping it in in the present and in the here and now. Um, and I think, so, it, I think it's not uh, being worried about them thoughts as well. Uh, letting them thoughts, come, if they come into the mind, don't try and push them away. Because like you said, they, they are thoughts that every single one of us are going to have. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think what like you said, bringing the attention back is a really good um, idea. And I think, um, yeah, I think that's something that I'll actually um, put him to practice as well. So thank you very much for that. No problem. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing it myself. So <laughs> it's, uh, it's, I think it's something we all have to, it's the new normal, isn't it? Yeah. Um, that those sort of contamination fears are going to be a part of life for a while, I think. Yeah, so if I can just move on to the final question from the guys in the platform. Um, it's an interesting question. Um, so it's a, um, someone from the States, they said that they live in an area that has a high risk for tornadoes. Um, how can I help myself with a justified phobia? Um, because every time, well, I find that every time that um, I'm turning on the weather, I'm getting anxious or every time the weather starts to turn, um, it's causing anxiety. Yeah. And it's a really interesting one, actually, isn't it? Because lots of phobias do feel, you know, very justified because they might be realistically, um, you know, uh, life-threatening situations, for example. You know, a tornado is a dangerous situation to, to have to face. Um, yeah. And it, it, in the same way that you might be frightened of going in the car or um, being on a high 
balcony somewhere or you know you know fears are generated out of there's some sort of thread of um kind of logic or you know it's something it makes sense um so i guess there's a, it's about choice isn't it if if that person wants to live in that place but the phobia is uh ruining their life then that is a really good time to seek support for that because you, yeah. you know like we were saying before actually there are some really effective treatments for phobias whether whether the phobia kind of feels like it makes sense or not you know that it is an understandable thing to be frightened about but you might be able to learn skills to bring that anxiety down to a level that's more manageable or yeah. you might be able to learn some skills to like we were saying about the refocusing and things like that if you get really really skilled at that then it might be that you can um manage your anxiety in a way that that is healthier and allows you to focus on the things that are important to you um so yeah i mean if that if that person wants to kind of seek help i would i would think that would be a probably a good option to help them get through because it's an, it's not an easy thing to do by yourself no definitely not and i was just trying to like um, put it to a phobia like um for example flying um if someone has a flight phobia they they tend to say focused on the the actual statistics of um of it being the safest uh, form of travel and the likelihood of something going wrong and, and then sometimes uh, that can help with the irrational fear so so do you think that would work in a situation like that yeah and that's uh actually you know it's another technique that is used in cbt is is looking at the reality of so rather than kind of avoiding the reality and trying not to think about it you know they they might look at the reality of um the risks and um there's kind of different statistics on it and how often they happen and, and how many deaths there might be and all that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so that, so that you can feel like you're informed rather than um, just, just overwhelmed with the fear. Um, because I'm, I'm guessing if they are in an area that I'm sorry, I'm guessing if they are in an area that, that does have um, a risk of tornadoes, then there is going to be practices uh, from the local government, for example, that are put in place um, to make to, to keep everyone safe. So there is going to be um, practice there, isn't there? So like you said, I think it's um, really important for them to inform themselves actually on the risk um, rather than the fear, the fear that uh, may be driven by their own thoughts. Yeah, absolutely. It's getting really clear on on the thoughts that are triggering that much anxiety and being sure that the thoughts you're buying into reflect reality um and also then f feeling empowered by gearing yourself up with the skills that you need so you know ha having a really clear plan of action that you know how to keep your safe your, yourself safe in a tornado um so that okay if this does happen let's go with it if this does happen what am i going to do and if you kind of have it's a it's a bit like, I don't know if, you know, when you're a kid and your parents say, okay, if there's ever a house fire, this is the way we get out. And then that kind of thing that, so you don't need to just worry about it because the worry leads to a plan of action. So yeah, if you've got a plan of action, it gives you a sense of control. And so the anxiety comes down another notch. Um, so yeah, when it's a, you know, very realistic um, uh, potential, then it makes sense to have a plan. Exactly, and I think that plan, obviously anxiety um, is fueled by, like you said, the lack of control and uncertainty. So having that plan together um, just, yeah, make, makes the person feel in control. So I think that's a really good advice.
Yeah, yeah, I think um, it's, it's a difficult one, but I, I would definitely say uh, get support with, with the process because, um, you know, life can get better. These things can, um, you know, really benefit from something like CBT. So definitely get the support that you need if, if you're able to access it. That's brilliant. Um, and I'd just like to finish, just a question, um, because um, I get, have um, obviously a lot of followers on the platform. A lot of them that come to the platform actually not realising how, um, how common anxiety uh, or anxiety disorders are. Um, so just as uh, from a professional basis, um, what percentage of people that um, you deal with would you say uh, present with anxiety as a symptom or as, as a main symptom? Oh, oh, it's huge. Uh, as a percentage, I mean, I don't see huge numbers of people at the moment because the social media thing's kind of taken over. But um, uh, yeah, it, it, that's really what triggered this whole process for me was so many people were coming through the door and struggling with anxiety and low confidence. And um, I haven't really been through all of my referrals to put an exact number on it, but um, I would say at least half probably. Yeah. Yeah, so it just shows how common anxiety is, especially in the the day and age that we live in. But I think with the technology and the support groups out there, and the the, the excellent doctors we have, and and um, psychologists uh, like yourself, um, just because someone's going through anxiety disorder, it doesn't mean that they're going to be in that situation. Um, it doesn't mean that they're, they're going to feel the intensity of the flare-up that they might be feeling. And there is light at the end of the tunnel. And there is a lot of people that have recovered from anxiety disorders. So I think it's really important putting that message out there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've, I've worked in lots of um, different uh, mental health teams uh, with, you know, even in sort of crisis teams and, and um, a, a sort of acute mental health hospitals where, people are you know have been really really poorly with extreme anxiety and and i've seen people get better so i know i know this stuff works and um i think as long as people have that that hope that there is something else that can help um and even if someone has had therapy or part of a therapy and it's not been for them there are lots of different types of therapy so um, I would say don't give up that search to finding, you know, the right thing. It's a bit like trying a certain medication. The doctor might say, if that doesn't work for you, we'll try a different one. It's a bit like that. You know, there's, there, are, there are lots of different options. So um, never give up because there are, there are, you know, so many ways to, to get through it. Yeah, I think that's a wonderful place to, to end the live session as well. And if people want to see more of Dr. Julie Smith, which I, I imagine they will do, uh, where, can, where can they um, find your, you on social media? Where can they find you on TikTok and Instagram, yeah. for example? Yeah, so I, yeah, I'm on Instagram here. So it's just Dr. Judy Smith um, and the same on TikTok as well. Um, just uh, just Dr. Judy Smith. Um, but it, uh, yeah, just lots of videos and things like that. Sometimes I do the sort of... ...my TikTok videos. So that can be to make it a really clear um, point, but sometimes I'll do a sort of longer written blog to make things a bit, um, you know, give, give some detail for people if they want more information on stuff. And I'll put that on into, onto Instagram. Yeah, that's yeah. brilliant. Well, thank you very much again, Julie. And thank you from um, all my followers as well. We really appreciate 
um, you coming on and uh, sharing your wisdom with us. No, um, and yeah, terrible. that's brilliant. So keep yourself safe, Julie. Keep your family safe. And uh, I wish you all the best as well, yeah? I hope the sun shines for you tomorrow. Thank you very much. Take care, Julie. Take care. Bye, everyone. Okay, bye. bye. You've been listening to DLC Live. Be sure to follow Dean on Instagram at DLC Anxiety. Check our website at dlcanxiety.com and grab yourself a copy of our latest book, Untangle Your Anxiety, on Amazon today. See you next time.